sometimes, not all the time, I like to start with something funny. So it was this woman, she was coming inside of a church, and as she was coming inside of the church, she was sitting in the front. And as she was sitting in the front, she saw a guy next to her, and he had on his shirt, and his shirt said, Staff. So she was like, awesome. So she, she bumped him, and she said, okay, you're on staff here. He's like, yeah, I'm on staff. She's like, I am so excited to be here. I'm so happy. I've been wanting to come so long. I'm so excited to be here. He said, ma'am, let me just give you a warning now. He said, our preacher is a terrible communicator. He is boring. He can't preach. You're going to fall asleep. So what I do is I usually get people seated, and I go to the back. So when I fall asleep, I don't bother the preacher. He said, you should come to the back with me. And then she looked at the man, and she said, do you know who I am? He said, no, ma'am, who are you? She said, I'm the pastor's mother. And I can't believe you just said that about my son. And she looked devastated. And then he looked back at her. He said, ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, no, who are you? He said, good, and he ran to the back of the church. (laughs) The brother's just trying to keep his job, you know what I'm saying? He's just trying to keep his job. He's trying to help his sister out. He's trying to keep his job. But the thing is, he didn't know who he was talking to, and thank God she didn't know who she was talking to. And he got up out of there, but my question is, do you know who you are? And maybe you do know who you are, but maybe the person next to you don't know who you are. You might want to tap them and say, if you knew who I was, you would take me for lunch today. If you knew who I was, you would befriend me because the Holy Spirit and power is moving through me. God is doing things in my life, and I believe God can do things in your life. You have to know who you are. And in our world, there's an identity crisis. There's an identity crisis in the world. There's an identity crisis in the church. There's an identity crisis all over America, all over this planet. And the problem with identity is you will always live out of your identity. You will always live out of your self-perception. And if the way you see yourself is wrong, you will live your whole life wrong. But if the way you see yourself is right, you will live your whole life right. And it's not just enough to be something. You have to believe who you are. And if you don't believe who you are, you can be the child of a king and live like a slave because you don't believe your identity. The prodigal son was a child of a powerful, or really it's the story of God, he's really a child of God, but he was a, a, the child of a powerful man. But the moment he didn't want to believe it and receive it, he, and he pronounced it, he lost his wealth, he was in a pig pen. You have to know who you are, and more importantly, you need to know whose you are, because who you are comes from whose you are. Now I want to lay some, some foundation, I want to lay some foundation before I get a little deep. You may know your name, but you may not know your identity. And today, I want to help you find your identity. If you're taking notes, the title of my sermon is Identity Theft. Identity Theft. Do you know that you can have an inheritance, but if your identity is unknown, you cannot capture your inheritance? The other day, I was rushing out of the house, and I needed to go pay some bills. I went to the bank, and I needed to take some money out of the bank, and I requested to take money out of the bank. And they, were, they asked me for my ID. I said, I left it at home, but I, I come here, I bank all the time, I'm name dropping. And they're like, where's your ID, sir? I'm like, I know you, I know you. I was just here, we just talked. Where's your ID, sir? 
And I had, I had assets, I had money that I could not access because I didn't have my ID. And there's things that God has for you in the spiritual realm. There's things that God has for you in the heavenlies that you can't unlock and you can't access because you don't have your spiritual ID. And today, I declare by the power of God that you will get your ID back. You will get your ID back. You will know who you are. And the problem with a lie is if you believe it, it embodies truth. If you believe a lie, I'm going to show you something. I was watching Space Jam the other day. And the reason I was watching Space Jam is because it's just one of my favorite movies. And I couldn't play like Mike, but I could watch Mike. Amen. And... I was watching Space Jam, and it's just, it's such a powerful concept inside of Space Jam. In Space Jam, they were literally about to lose. They had nothing they can do to win. And then Bugs had a great idea. He said, they need to believe they can be Michael. They can't be Michael. They don't look like Michael. Michael is an NBA player. They loony. But they needed to believe they can be Michael. Because when everybody was losing, Michael wasn't. And they needed to believe that they could be made in the image of Michael. And if they could just believe they could be made in the image of Michael, it would, it would hire their living status. It would hire their playing status. And Bugs didn't know how to get this done. And he came up with a great idea. He said, Michael got some secret stuff. And if you could have Michael's secret stuff, you can play like, act like, behave like, and win like Michael. The only problem is the secret stuff was just water. It was a label that had them playing like champions, that had them playing like heroes. But let me tell you something. Not only positive labels work, so does negative labels. Because some of you guys have labels that says you're a failure. And you're walking around acting like a failure, living like a failure, behaving like a failure. Because you got some failure stuff. But I want to tell you something. You don't have no failure stuff on the inside of you. You don't have no losing stuff on the inside of you. You don't have no broken stuff on the inside of you. You don't have no busting and disgusting stuff on the inside of you. You got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And he is your secret stuff and if you would just believe it and receive it and perceive it you can do it and the problem is they perform with fake secret stuff you have real secret stuff on the inside of you the Holy Spirit is your secret stuff and guess what you can't do it but the Spirit can do it through you you might not know where to go but the Holy Spirit will lead you you might not know how to do it but the Holy Spirit can do it through you your idea is not tied to your history your idea is tied to your destiny your idea is not tied to your mistakes your idea is tied to your God and if you say my identity is found in Christ come on give him a praise break in this place Your identity is tied to Christ. Who you are is in Christ. It's not in your past. It's not in your failures. It's not in your mistakes. It's not in your shortcomings. Your identity is in Christ. And what the enemy is after in this world, he is after your ID. He is fighting you for it. He is waging war against it. He's doing everything to wipe you away. No, no, not your life, you, the real you, the God you that he made you to be. 
When God created you, there was a version he made, and the enemy is trying to erase that version. Because that version that God created of you, you that was created by G-O-D, is a threat to hell. is a threat to darkness. is a threat to the things of this world that opposes God. And the enemy wants to erase you and eradicate you because you have the authority to crush his head. And the thing about it is, if he could just get rid of you, he won't have to fight you. And one of the biggest things that robs us of our identity and our destiny is our history. It's our history. And, and the thing about our history is this. Because we were something in a certain time and in a certain place, we still believe we're that. But God says that you are a new creation. You're not what you used to be. You're not where you used to go. You're not who you used to hang out with. You are a new being in Christ Jesus. At the circus, when they get ready to use elephants, they never get a grown elephant. Because once the elephant is grown, it has his identity. He's strong. He, he's a bully. He can move. He can break stuff, pull stuff, twist stuff. And when he's grown, you just can't tame him. He knows who he is. He knows he's the biggest. He knows he's the baddest. He throws his weight around. You can't touch a grown elephant. But what they do is they go get a baby elephant. And the reason why they get a baby elephant is because babies are born with no identities. That's why Herod wanted to kill all the children under two. Because one day the son of God is going to grow up and be the king of kings. But if we can eliminate him while he's small, we don't have to fight him while he's big. And Herod said, kill all the babies. When Moses was a baby, kill the babies. Because babies don't have identities. But when they grow up into maturity, they have the identity. And then at that point, the enemy can't touch them. So this elephant, when they're a baby, they tie them up with shoestrings. Little shoestrings. And that baby elephant, he bucks and he pulls and he bucks and he pulls and he bucks and he pulls. And he can never break free. And because he can never break free, he shapes his identity until I'm limited. I'm not strong enough. I don't have enough weight. I'm not big enough. I'm not a conqueror. I'm bound to the string. And then he grows up to be a couple tons big, and he's still tied to the same strength. And he doesn't realize that he's bigger now. He's stronger now. He's more powerful now. He has more might now. Because though he has a new ID, a new identity, he's still tied to his history. And some of you guys are living with inspired IDs. Some of you guys are living with lies from the past. Some of you guys are living with what your mama said and what your daddy did and who was there and who wasn't there. But I'm telling you, when I came to Christ, he gave me a new ID. I'm not what I used to do. I'm not where I used to go. I don't do those things no more because I have a new ID. And in order to get to your destiny, you got to break free from your history. If the elephant just knew who he was, that string couldn't hold you. A chain couldn't hold you. Nothing could hold you. And things are holding you from the past. When you was little, that's why you was molested. Because the enemy knew if he molested you while you were young, you would doubt yourself when you were old. That's why your dad left and you had to grow up without a father because he knew if you had a father and you had someone to affirm you when you got old, he couldn't touch you. And now you're fighting the devil in the old ID. And he don't ever want you to know who you are because who you are is above his head. The book of Romans said that the prince of peace will crush Satan's head under your feet. It will be my shoe that's on Satan's head. My footprint on his head. 
And what he's doing is he's trying to steal me so I never crush him. God's a gangster. He said, I'm not going to fight the devil. I created the devil. I'm about to create a lesser being and have them whoop him. I gave you the authority to trample over serpents and snakes and over all evil things. You know, on Facebook, talking about some like for the devil and, and, and heart for God. What? This ain't no competition. When the devil crossed God, the Bible says like lightning, he was cast out of heaven. There was no fight. There's a fight between you and him. And all he can do is lie to you. And all he wants to do is lie. He's the father of lies because if he can make you believe you ain't you, he can stop you from the authority, the power, and the pressure that God is giving you to apply on him. I was going to say something, but I'm going to wait till next week on that. If you have your Bibles, go to Jeremiah 1, chapter 5. Jeremiah 1, chapter 5. I'll give you guys a second to get there. Some of y'all got glowing Bibles. You need to get a real Bible. The Holy Spirit just said, you got a glowing Bible. Dang, Lord, why you got to do me like that? <laughs> My God, I'm going to get a real one too, Lord. I got one. I'm going to bring it next time. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. You guys heard it a thousand times. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you a couple things in this, in this verse. The first thing is, the Lord then pulled up on Jeremiah and he said, dude, I formed you. I knew you before I formed you. I sanctified you. I ordained you to be a prophet. And then his response was, Lord, I can't speak. I'm a youth. Dude, the Lord just affirmed you. Words of affirmation on 3,000. And yet, his response to the words of affirmation is, I can't speak. I'm a youth. I'm afraid. Why, when God tells us finally who we are, we argue with God and tell, uh, and tell him who we were? Why, why, why? Because let me tell you what happened. At that point, there was a clash of identity. Because God was speaking of the Jeremiah he created, and Jeremiah was speaking of the Jeremiah he became. And sometimes the person we became is not synonymous with the person God created. So there was a conflict because God was saying, I ordained you and I created you and I did all this for you. But Jeremiah didn't understand he wasn't the you that God was talking about. So Jeremiah, you can't speak. You can't go. But God is saying right now, we are about to collide. Destiny is about to happen. And who you were is going to have to leave and make space to who you are. Because the biggest 
threat to your destiny is your history. The biggest threat to who you are is who you was. And who you was will always fight who you are. It's the enemy enemy. It's not the devil that's fighting you. If there's no enemy within, the enemy without can do us no harm. It's the lies that live in you. It's the doubt that lives in you. It's the insecurities that live in you. If you can get those things out of you and the Holy Spirit in you, then everything changes. So instantly, flesh will always respond and be contrary to spirit. Because God was talking spirit and Jeremiah was talking flesh. You're not your flesh. You are not your flesh. Let me show you something so powerful. God said, I knew you before I formed you. God, how can you know me if there was no me? How could you know me if there was no me? And if you knew me before you formed me, that means my form ain't me. If you knew me before you formed me, that means my form ain't me. You're not your form. You're not your body. You're not your flesh. In other words, God is saying what you see ain't who you are. You preceded your form. Let me tell you something you may have never heard, and I studied this, and if you need to email me and ask me if it's sound, you can do it. You existed before you were created. You existed before you created. And let me tell you something. When the Bible says, I knew you, I used to think it was talking about like a contractor where he has a blueprint and he knows what he's going to build. So he knows his design before he makes it. No, God wasn't talking about that because the Hebrew word that was used in I knew you was the word yada. And yada actually meant intimacy. It meant personal. It meant close. And in Genesis 4 and 1, when it says Adam knew his wife and his wife Eve conceived, yada was a word you would use for intimacy or sex or closeness or oneness yada means to fully know and to fully be known so God said I fully knew you and I was fully known by you before I ever formed you God said we had a relationship before you ever got here we was close before you ever got here you loved me before you ever got here and then I created you and then you forgot about me because you got a mind and when you got a mind, your spirit became subject to your mind. So as you was created, you forgot I ever existed. You forgot about me. And God said, you went into this world having been in love with me and close with me. You were my beloved. And we were in unison. We were one. And you forgot I ever existed. But I knew you. Guess what God didn't say? He didn't say, I know you. He said, I knew you because who you are ain't who I knew. There's a different kind of you. There's a powerful version of you. There's a you that loves me, not sin. There's a you that's called. There's a you that's bold. There's a you that's submitted to the power of Christ. I don't know you, but I knew you. And I'm going to make the you that I knew become the new you. So the old is going to have to pass away. Behold, all things have become new. And God said, I knew you and God said here's what I'm gonna do so you can know me once again I'm gonna leave residue on you I'm gonna put a God-sized hole in your heart so when you walk in this earth I want you to know something I have ordained you which meant I called you and God says when I call you you will respond because you will hear a familiar voice because the Word of God says my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow 
So when I speak to you, you're going to hear something that's familiar. That's why when God called you to ministry, you knew you were supposed to go. That's why when you was worshiping, you knew you was called to be a worship leader because you've been here before. You've been here before. God said, I knew you and I'm bringing back the new I, the you I knew. And God says, when I call you, the residue of the love that we shared will pull you back to me. Okay, let me show it to you. There was a woman, and this woman had a car wreck. She hit her head on a windshield. She went into a coma. She woke up, and she remembered everyone except for her husband. She forgot about him. It literally, she literally went back to before she met him. She remembered everything preceding meeting her husband. And now the doctors is like, hey, sir, we're going to bring you in here. We're going to slowly, slowly introduce her to you. We're going to bring you guys back together. He said, no. He said, don't do it. He said, I want her to have free will. And to bring me in here is to violate her will. She fell in love with me once. I'll meet her again. And she'll fall in love with me again. And at that point, he met her. And there was something in her that was drawn to him. And they began to date. And two years later, as they was getting married, he was holding his hands. And he said, baby, I'm so glad to marry you again. She was like, what are you talking about? He said, we've been married before. And she said, well, I just met you two years ago. He said, you met me 10 years ago. You just re-met me 10 years ago. And the reason you responded to me is because though your mind didn't know me, your heart still did. Though your mind didn't know me, your hand still did. Though, though you couldn't perceive me and comprehend me, you knew you could trust me and you knew I were good because though you forgot me, everything inside of you had a void waiting for me. And God said, it's the same thing with you. I'm going to give you free will. I'm not going to oppose myself on you. We was in love once. We'll be in love twice. And I want you to freely choose me. I'm not going to impose. But when I speak to you, you will know my voice. When I call you, you will respond. When you get in a place of destiny, it is literally a foreshadowing. Because you're like, I've been here before. When I get up and preach this gospel, I've been here before. When I'm in the presence of God, I've been here before. When I'm praying in the spirit, I've been here before. This ain't my first rodeo. God said he knew me and he's going to know me again because he called me. He called me. And not only did God call me, the Bible says he sanctified me, which means he set me apart. That's why I can't fit in. How are you going to try to fit in when you was born to stand out? You've been separated. That's why you're different in your family. That's why no one around you can manage money and you can. That's why your mindset is different. That's why you're business oriented and no one else in your family is. That's why everyone else is drama filled and you're not because you've been set apart for the things of God. He said, I sanctified you. In other words, when I created you, I set you apart. You wouldn't fit in. They wouldn't like you. You wouldn't fit the cliques because you are different. I didn't create you to fit in a box. I created you to break the box. You've been set apart. So God is saying, church, I knew you closely, personally, intimately. And some of you guys look like you don't believe me. So let me, let me confirm it. Let me confirm it now. Go to Romans 8, chapter 29. And I'm going to share it if you don't have time to look at it. Romans 8. 
29 says, for whom he foreknew. Let's say it again. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he may be the firstborn among many brethren, whom he foreknew. In, in other words, you got to understand something. For means before. He's saying, I foreknew you. I knew you before you was ever here. See, you got to understand something. You didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. You came from God. And the moment your parents conceived you, God blew you inside of the womb. You predated your arrival. And God said, I foreknew you. I knew you. And let me tell you something. Only God knows you. Only let the one that created you label you. Only let the one that created you label you. You can't label me because you didn't create me. You can't label me because you didn't form me. You can't label me because you didn't make me. You don't have purchasing rights to name me. So what you say I am, I ain't. But what God says I am, I am. Come on, somebody. Give God a shout of praise. Now it says, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Predestined. It's a contradicting word. It's an oxymoron. It's, it's, it's two words that shouldn't be together because they're on two different sides of the spectrum. And, 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 and predestined means, pre means before, destined means end. How can you have the before, before the end, or the end before the before? They don't go together. They don't fit. But in other words, God was saying that I finished you before I started you. I finished you before I started you. I knew you before I sent you. I predestined you. In other words, God says, when you were made and I knew you, I gave you a purpose. I gave you an assignment. I gave you who you were to be. I gave you a name. I gave you an identity. You would be born. You would forget me, but I predestined something for you. And when I call you, you would respond to me and you would walk and do and be what I called you to be. And you would begin to evolve into who I knew. So many of you would never see your identity until you follow the call. God asked you, God said, I want you to serve in ministry. You won't follow the call. And God is saying the call is going to lead you to your identity. And and a personal identity, but a corporate identity. Because he said you were born to be conformed into the image of his son. Let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus was your representative. Jesus was your model. He was your reflection. He was your mirror. When Jesus was walk, it would show you how you were supposed to walk. When Jesus would talk, it would show you how you were supposed to talk. When Jesus would live, it would show you how you're supposed to live. When Jesus would pray, it would show you how you're supposed to pray. When Jesus would declare signs, miracles, and wonders, it would show you how you're to declare signs, miracles, and wonders. Jesus was your reality. So you got to understand something. We call Jesus the Son of God, and he was, but he was in a limited form. He was inside of a flesh. Do you know the second member of the Trinity initially didn't have a body? 
that he was, that, that, that a virgin named Mary had the spirit of Christ come inside of her. And then the spirit of Christ went inside of a body. And that body was called the second Adam in the Bible. And Adam was a representative of mankind. That body in Christ, Jesus, was supposed to represent to you who you are. Anything short of that, which you would never get the, the full glory on this side of eternity, eternity. But anything short of that ain't who you are. You don't have to guess who you are. God modeled who you are. You can speak to winds and they got to stop. You are called. The world, the elements have to respond because the Holy Spirit is in you. That's why the Bible says the whole earth is groaning and moaning, waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, the earth said, I don't know my identity because you don't know yours. Son of God, you're not manifesting. You're letting tornadoes happen because you're not manifesting. You're letting hurricanes happen because you're not manifesting. You're letting sickness happen because you're not manifesting. You're letting pandemics happen because you're not manifesting. If the sons of God would manifest, the pandemic would have to leave. Sickness would have to leave. Fear would have to leave. Darkness would have to go if the sons of God would manifest. I'm preaching better than your amen. The manifestation of the sons of God. That's who you're called to be. And as you're walking and being a child of God, God will start giving you the individual idiosyncrasies about yourself. You're called to do this. You're called to speak like this. You're called to act like this. You're called to behave like this. And the last thing I want to say in my closing point, I rushed through it a little bit. Should I? Give me a second to think. I'm going to take a little bit of time. I'm going to listen to that. Amen, woman of God. I'm going to listen to you. The Bible says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the thief is very tactical. He's very strategic. And let me tell you something. The devil don't want to kill you. He don't. His preference is to steal you. Because if the devil can steal you, he can use you. So he don't want to kill you. The thief comes to steal you. He wants to steal your identity. He wants to steal your self-worth. He wants to steal your image. Then he can use you as an ambassador of darkness. Only when the devil can't use you will he kill and destroy you. Or only when the devil is done using you will he kill and destroy you. So most of the things that the devil throw at you ain't designed to kill you. They're actually designed to steal you so you would never know the real you. And if you would never know the real you, you can never walk in the authority of God. And you're not building the kingdom of light. You're actually building the kingdom of darkness. So he's sending things to steal you. He's like ransomware. He's trying to get inside of your software and steal your identification and relabel you. And he wants to relabel you to stop you from being who you were called to be. He wants to steal you. Now, let me show you a couple things the devil will use to steal you. The first thing he will use is the things you've done. The things you've done. We've done terrible things. We've done things that we're not proud of. And the devil will use what you've done to hang you with. You did the sin. You did the crime. You did the lies. 
you, you, you did the shameful things. You did it. Some of you guys were, some of you guys hurt people. You did the crime. But someone else did the time. You don't have to do the time. Someone else did the time for your crime. And let me tell you something, bride of God. Don't let the worst of you define the rest of you. Don't let the worst of you define the rest of you. Don't let a bad moment define your destiny. Yeah, I may have did what they said I did, but I'm not who they said I am. I am a child of God. Yeah, I did it, but I ain't it. I'm God's child. Don't let the mistakes, don't let the sins, don't let the scars, don't let the stains define you. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, you dropped the ball. Yeah, you made mistakes. Yeah, you should have been better. Yeah, you were unrighteous. But guess what? It was paid for. It was bought. And that was the, the Adamic nature that caused you to do that. That's not who you are. So the enemy is the accuser of the brothering. And when he accuses us, he accuses us with truth. The devil will only cut you with truth when it works. He will only use truth to destroy. So he will come and say, see, you did that. See, you did that. See, you hurt them. See, see. And he will pull out all of your flaws to get the worst of you to define the rest of you. The second thing that the devil does is, uses is what people done to you. Some of you guys have been hurt, abused, manipulated, molested, raped, beat, uh, hurt, betrayed, lied on, and you had nothing to do with it. It wasn't your fault. Somebody did this to you. You had no control. It's not on you. And the problem is, when someone does something to you that's not you, it makes you question your identity. Because identity can come from two different ways. It can come from who you were in doubt to be, intrinsic worth, or it can come in reverse through behavior. And what happens is behavior is a reverse way of identifying us. It's a, it's a reverse way. So somebody did this to you, and because they've done this to you, now you feel like you are what you just done or what just happened to you, but you're not. What they did is their sin, it's their issue, God will deal with it. It's not you. It's not. The, mol the molestation ain't you. It's not your fault. You're not dirty. You are clean. You have been washed. You have been renewed. God has sealed you. He's covered you. He has washed you clean. Better yet, you're cleaner than you've ever been if you're in Christ. Cleaner than you've ever been. You're not what happened. And then the third thing is family and friends. Sometimes, they're, they're, sometimes family and friends is good. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't say that. Don't try that business. You can't afford that. You don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. You didn't create me. You don't know me. Do you know you can be around somebody your whole life and not know them? You don't know me. Only God knows me. Not even my spouse not my kids, not my best friends, not my church. Only God truly knows me. Only God. Which means only the one that created me can label me. No one can label you. They can affirm what God said about you. That's at best. 
But only God knows you. And friends and family, that's, oh, you just like your daddy. Oh, you just like your mama. Oh, you be lying like your cousin. Oh, you this and you that. You're not that. They don't know you. Don't listen to people that didn't create you. That's like if I asked you what an iPhone was. You would explain to me. You would say it's a, you know, it's a phone. It could be black or white. It's a square and it's a touch screen. That's not iPhone. That's the form of an iPhone. An iPhone is actually the operating system that controls it and that makes it function a certain way and makes its apps function a certain way. You can't see that. You don't know that. You're defining a form, but you don't know the true content of an iPhone. And many people see your form, but they don't know your spirit, and they're defining you by what they see, not by what God made you to be. They don't know you. Another one is other people's voices and opinions. Don't anoint a voice that's not God to label you. Don't anoint a voice that's not God to label you. Only God can label you. Stop anointing these voices. Stop anointing these opinions. I don't care what you say about me. I'm not what you say about me. I'm what God says about me. And if you want to not be criticized, be nothing, say nothing, do nothing. The moment you decide to walk in what God calls you to walk in, haters is going to emerge. They're not going to understand, oh, you go to that church, oh, you hang with those people. Oh, they like this. Oh, I heard that. I don't care what you heard. I'm listening to the voice of God, not your voice. It's my path, not yours. Stop anointing voices that's not the Holy Spirit to labor you unless they're in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Um, number five, offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. Offense, bitterness, unforgiveness, doubt, worry. All of these things are identity thieves. When you're offended, it, uh, it puts an offense around you and stops you from walking into who God's called you to be. When you're bitter, you can't get better. When you're bitter, you can't get better. When you're harboring unforgiveness and, and you're harboring all these negative emotions, they literally erase the very contents that God has put on the inside of you. You have to remove these negative emotions so you can walk in the faith and the hope and the joy and the fruits of God that he created you to walk in. Galatians 5.25. Get rid of the offense, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the doubt, the worry, because they will rob you from you. Almost done, church. Uh, number six. The lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy. The lies. The lies. The lies. Sometimes they come in the lies of people. Sometimes it's people's opinions. What someone thinks about you ain't your business. That's their business. It's not your business. Well, what did they say about me? None of your business. It has nothing to do. The only person you need to be finding out what they said about you is God. Anybody short of that? That's not your business. Their opinions and thoughts of you is not your business. And the lies of the enemy, he will come, he'll lie. Yeah, you ugly. Yeah, you're not enough. Yeah, you're fat. Yeah, you don't do nothing. Yeah, you're not called. Yeah, you can't preach. Yeah, you can't do this. Yeah, you can't do that. Devil, you are a liar. I'm not going to sit here and listen to a liar. Your mouth is armed with lies, and I will not listen. I won't listen to the lies. I won't listen to the lie. The devil is a liar. He's coming to steal your identity, and the number one tactic he uses lies. And he uses bad situations, and he lies, and he tells you it was your fault, and you did it, and you made the mistake. He did it. And then the last thing he uses are labels. Are labels. He uses labels. Edwin, can you run up here right quick? Come run up here right quick. He uses labels.
Now, I need you to be perfectly honest up here, Edwin. Okay, there's trash, there's treasure. Which one you want? You want the treasure? All right, get, 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 take the treasure out, show him. He chose treasure. Okay, Aaron, you go be seated. You, that's it. He got free $20. That's somebody's like, call me up, amen? And the reason why he chose the treasure is because he looked and he saw $20. And his treasure is labeled. It said his treasure. He saw money. Edwin got paid. Come on, y'all, give him. <laughs> Edwin bought his business. Edwin just made some money. Now, this says trash. Edwin looked in here, and if he would have saw a couple of hundreds of dollars, he would have been like, I want the trash. Amen? Right, Edwin? But all he saw was just an orange USB stick, right? In the trash, it was just an orange USB stick. And I did something. I stepped out by faith because whichever one Edwin chose, he could keep. Now, what Edwin didn't know is this USB stick is worth 30 grand. I'm dead serious. It's a dongle to a software that's worth 30000 I run my whole business on it. And if Edwin would take this USB stick, today he can put it on eBay and make twenty five grand. Today. He could have took this, put it on eBay, and made 25000 He could have did it right now, but guess what? Because he saw something that he deemed as treasure, and then he saw something that was labeled as trash, and it looked like something he couldn't understand, he despised it. And many people are seeing you, and you look like trash, and they don't know what you carry. They don't know what's on the inside of you. They don't know that you've been bought with a price. They don't know that you've been sanctified and called by God. They don't know that God knew you before he formed you and they are abusing you and they're not choosing you and they're not anointing you because they don't know you. And if Edwin would have known what this was, he would have grabbed it. If he would have known what this was, he would have lasted on. But because he didn't know the identity of this, he didn't choose it. Let me tell you something. Where identity is unknown, rejection is inevitable. He rejected what he couldn't identify. And that's what people are doing to you. They're looking at the label on you. You may look like trash. You might not have it all fixed up on the inside. But guess what? God has put something on the inside of me. And God has said, I'm called. I'm a child of God. I'm above only. I'm the head and not the tail. And God is saying, you have been made for this. And not only was you made for this, Jesus died for this. But because they don't know your ID, they reject you and call you trash. And you can be more valuable than everything around you. But guess what? The value of this has been concealed with an ugly orange exterior. The reason why it's orange is because you need to be able to find this and you don't want it black, okay? I lost it before and lost three hairs. Um, But, 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 literally, people, they look at you from the outside. They have no idea of the content that resides in you. They have no idea about the Holy Spirit that's in you. They don't see your prayer life. They don't see how you're reading in the Word, spending time with God, helping people, blessing people. They can't see. And sadly, they're stuck in labels. And the problem is many of you guys are priceless and you don't even know it because of a label that someone else put on you. And then there's people in the world, celebrities and and famous people, 
and they've been labeled treasure, and they ain't worth nothing but $20. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, if you're not covered by the blood of God, you have no value. You are worth $4. That's all the dirt that your body is worth. The value is on what's on the inside of you. And we got people walking around that's treasured and celebrities and rich and famous entertainers that we view as treasure and valuable. And we want to take pictures with whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside but full of dead man's bones. And then we walk around people that got the content of the Holy Spirit. And because they don't have the flash and the bling, we label them as trash. But they have value on the inside of them. And I want you to know God is kind. He's came to give you a new identity. He's came to give you a new worth. He's came to put his spirit on the inside of you and to give you a new spirit. And if you have that, you are priceless. The value of something is what someone is willing to pay for it. Your value is Christ because Christ was willing to pay for you. You may not feel like you're worth much, but Jesus thinks you're to die for 